You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Good evening. It's so good uh, to see you here tonight, and uh, such a privilege to be opening the Word of God this morning, uh, this evening. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm not sure if we can. They're a bit bright. I'm not sure if we can have those down a bit. Maybe I'm just being fussy. In my, my, we can't do it easily. That is fine. I will just. I'm trying to see you, your lovely faces, but it's a bit difficult. <laughs> yeah, I can see you, Martin. It's all right. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I just wanted to, to kick off with a little story, actually, and um, a story from my childhood in uh, me thinking ar- around preparation for this preach and uh, around this topic. Um, it was from when I was around five years of age, and I remember, like, I was a really, really sporty kid, loved playing sport, and I loved playing sport with my dad. And um, if anyone's ever played sport with me, you'll know that I play in Quite, yeah, play to win, that's a good way to put it, actually. Or I play in an aggressive manner, um, some people might say. Um, some people might say, in a nasty way. No, I don't, I don't. Um, but it was actually instilled through playing with my dad. And like, we used to play quite rough. And I remember like, playing football with him once. And um, my dad, like, we, we were just playing in the back garden. I remember trying to kick the ball, and I kicked his shin. I kicked his shin. And like, I was expecting him to be hurt. And he like, looked at me like blank-faced. And like, I remember like my, my foot was in so much pain. I was like, ah, dad, why did you do that? Like, I just kicked his shin. Um, I was like, dad, why did you do that? He was like, what? And then I said, dad, why were you not hurt? And he looked at me dead in the face and he says, it's because I've got a wooden leg, son. Okay, just to, you know, spoil the story, my dad doesn't have a wooden leg. If you do have a wooden leg, n- nothing wrong with that, it's fine. Um, but... I remember, like, my dad didn't say anything after that. My dad was like, yeah, I've got a wooden leg. And, like, clearly he must have said it in a joking voice, but age five, I didn't really clock that. So I remember going into school. I was in reception, and uh, my teacher asking me how my weekend was. And I was like, yeah, all right. Um, But I found out my dad's got a wooden leg. (laughs) My dad's got a wooden leg. And, like, two weeks later, at parents' evening, you can speak to my My mom's here. Where are you, mom? Where are you? Give my mom a round of applause. (laughs) Woo! My lovely mom. Oh, in fact, my grandma's here today as well. Give us a wave. My lovely grandma goes to another church um, in Bow Green. It's great that you're here. So, but anyway, if you want to vouch for the story, you can speak to my mom. Anyway, I think it was a parents' evening my mom went, went along to, and uh, they were chatting, chatting about me. And, um, and then my teacher got serious for a moment. She looked at my mom, and she was like, Andre, I'm re- you know, really sorry to hear about Richard. And my mum was like, Richard's my dad's name. My mum was like, what about Richard? Well, Luke told me that he, he had an accident, he's got a wooden leg. And I remember my mum's face looking at me, and I kind of looked up at her like, what? And like my mum had to explain, backtrack, and I had no clue. And uh, why do I tell you this story? My dad, you know, found out doesn't have wooden legs, just very hard shins. And... Um, I, I tell you this story because actually um, it was a story of half-truths. It was a story of where I'd kind of, I'd missed the truth, I'd missed the joke, and I'd carried something that was a distortion. My dad did have hard shins, yes, but they were not wooden. And I, all right. And I remember, 
you know, as I was just thinking back, I was thinking we can have jovial half-truths, okay, where it's a, it's a little bit funny, it's a little bit jokey, but actually when it comes down to the things of God, if we walk in a place of half-truth, then it's a really, really dangerous thing. If we kind of catch a little bit of the truth or we hear something and we hear only half of it, then we've missed it. And this is the most dangerous when it comes to the gospel. When it comes to the good news, the gospel is the central tenant of the Christian faith. It is the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to explain that a little bit for us. And it was so upon my heart, this whole idea that we need to catch the full truth. I want us to see the truth tonight because only then will we see that it's good news. If we live in a place where we only catch half of it, the truth is, church, it's bad news. We'll walk with a limp and it's not going to be good. And we see this in the Bible. We read of this happening in the New Testament churches. Lines were becoming blurred around truth and around lies, and especially in the Galatian church. And the Apostle Paul writes a letter to the Galatians to, collect, to correct these mistruths, these lies, these kind of distorted truths. And you can see how seriously Paul takes this because like usually, so Paul, if you don't know, Apostle Paul, he's, he, he writes a lot of the New Testament, okay? So he's written a lot of letters to the churches in the area, churches that he planted, some that he didn't, churches to indiv- uh, letters to individuals. And um, usually like you can see the flow that Paul writes in. It's like nice. He's like introduces himself. And then he says hello to the people. He gives thanks to God to them. In this letter, he introduces himself. And then he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. He then says later in chapter 3, he goes, you foolish Galatians. Wow, strong words, Paul. Why such strong words? Because something has gone amiss. The good news has been warped. The gospel, which is the power of God to save humanity, has been distorted. And so I want to come back to some scripture that I believe will help us in understanding this glorious gospel as Paul seeks to correct some wrong thinking. And in doing so, what you will hopefully see and understand a little bit more today, whether you're hearing it for the first time or you've been around church all your life and you're a follow, follower of Jesus, is that Jesus is greater. If you're making notes today, my title is simply Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. Now, you could preach from so many different things on this. And as I'm a visual learner, I thought I'd just make it a little bit helpful for us to see it. So I've created this. Wow, Luke, profound. If you've never seen those symbols before, then maybe you didn't do so well in maths, but that's fine, that is fine. But this symbol, all it means is greater than. Obviously, it depends which way it's pointing, okay? If it was pointing the other way, then I've missed it, I'm getting down, okay? But the way that I remember it, okay, really, really easy to remember it, is that if, just pretend it's like a crocodile's mouth, okay? Really simple. And the crocodile eats the bigger prey, okay? The crocodile is greedy. Can you see the crocodile's mouth? Yeah, makes sense. The crocodile eats the bigger thing, okay? And you could put anything into this equation 
and Jesus would still be greater. And I want us to have that fixed in our brains, fixed in our minds as we walk through this. Regardless of the challenges you face, hopefully this might come back into your mind and you can say, Jesus is greater than this. Jesus is greater than this financial issue. Jesus is greater than this relationship problem. Jesus is greater than me struggling to lay this down. Jesus is greater than this sacrifice. And the immense truth today is that Jesus is greater. And I want to help us understand this a little bit more. So I'm going to read from Galatians 2, verses 15 to 21 for us today. Some really, really powerful verses. So reading from verse 15, you can follow along on the screen or from your own Bibles or devices. We who are Jews by birth, this is Paul speaking, and not sinful Gentiles, sinful there, in quote marks, because basically what he's alluding to is the things of the law that the Jews would keep. So things around circumcision, the Sabbath, and around, um, around their diet, what they would eat. Okay, so you could imagine that's in quote marks there. So we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ, Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Wow, powerful verses. So Paul here, he's explaining a, a principle that is, is found throughout the New Testament and was, was really, really hard for actually the Jewish people to grasp and understand. And what he's explaining here, we read it a number of times, especially from 15, verses 15 to 19, Paul is talking about being justified by faith. He's saying the law, the rules, they're not gonna save you. You can only be justified, that is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, by saying, I trust you, Jesus. Now, some of us may have heard this before, but actually, it can be a hard thing to get your head around. So I wanna use a little illustration to help explain what it means to be justified by faith. What is Paul trying to hit home here? So for that, I'm gonna need the, the help of my lovely assistant today, Gabriel. Why don't we give Gabriel a round of applause? <laughs> You can turn around, Gabriel. There we go. It's all right. We'll try our best. You can hold it on. 
This is a very interesting coat, right? Good choice of garments today, Gabriel. Thank you. Okay, right, I will explain. Can we see that? Okay, so here is Gabriel. Smile for us, Gabriel, there we go. Actually, you should look sad, okay, look sad. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so Gabs, right now, represents humanity, each and every one of us, outside of Christ. And now, I've put some different things on here, things that would be described as sin, okay? The Bible just talks about sin as things that miss the mark. Put some things there of hate and lust and pride, things, issues in the human heart that manifest themselves in awful behaviors. And the truth is, each one of us are born into this. Humanity is broken. Humanity is fallen. And we read this, that actually each one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us is without sin. And so all of us are in this condition. And actually, so this is a, a sad place to be. The Lady Gaga song, um, she sings Born This Way, right? And she got it kind of half right. She said, baby, we were born this way. And <laughs> <coughs> Gabs, do you want to sing it for the people so they... But, but she only got it half right, because she says in the next line of a song, we're on the right track, baby, we were born this way, right? I think I got that right. I'm not a massive Lady Gaga fan. But the truth is, we're not. In this state of affairs, we're not on the right track. Instead, the, the Bible talks about that actually we're headed on the road to destruction, because God, although he's a loving, merciful God, he's a holy God, and this cannot be in his presence. And so the Bible says that the wages of sin, the wages of this state is death. Not just death in our bodies, but separation from God eternally. We are eternal beings designed and created to be with God forever, but in this place, we cannot be with him. We cannot. And so this is quite like a sorry situation, right? It's a sorry situation, and this is why the gospel is called the good news. So at this point, I need to invite JC up, Jonathan Chand, who is Jesus Christ for the day. Give Jonathan a round of applause. <laughs> Woo. Sorry, conferencing for using a tablecloth. Fantastic. So we've got John representing Jesus for us, Gabs representing humanity for us. And the truth that I want us to grasp today is that only Jesus can make us right with God. We're justified by faith. We are made right with God by having faith in this man, what, what John represents, which is Jesus. Why? Because Jesus, he came and he gave his life on the cross. That while we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love for us in this. He gave his life. Why? That we might have life. And how does this work? The Bible says that when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So what happens in that process? What happens is you are justified by faith. So Jesus comes along and he strips us of our sin. You strip him of his sin. Yeah, yeah, just that bit. Not his coat. Easy. Jesus comes along and he strips us of our sin. 
And then he comes along and he clothes us in his own righteousness. Don't look so sorry, yes. Come on. You guys pause there a minute. In Romans 3.22, we read that righteousness is a gift, not because we earn it or we were good enough, but solely by the saving grace of God. Jesus comes along, he takes our sin, he bears it on his own shoulders, he lived the life we should have lived, died the death that we should have, and he clothes us in his own righteousness. I love the Cornerstone lyrics. We sang it this morning. It says, when he shall come with trumpet sound, when Jesus returns, oh, may I then in him be found. And it says, dressed in his righteousness alone. His righteousness looks better than that in reality. Not, nothing wrong with you, Gabs, but I mean the cloth. Because the truth is, we cannot do it in our own strength. We cannot do it in our own might. And some of us, maybe we're hearing that for the first time today, but church, this is the good news. This is the gospel because of Jesus, because of this, we have right standing with God. When we die and get to heaven and I stand before God and he asks me, why should I let you in? I'm not gonna say because I served in church, because I preached a great message that evening, or because I was a good boy, I was a good son, I was a good husband. I'm gonna say, Lord, let me in because Jesus came and gave his life for me and I stand clothed in his righteousness alone. That is why. Can we give these guys a massive round of applause? Because they could be up here all night. Thank you, guys. It's unmistakably clear that we are saved apart from good works. That is the truth of it. And the truth is that we are saved unto good works. Because of Jesus, because of my faith in Jesus, he sets me free to be able to make decisions where I choose to live the way that he's called me to. But I want us to understand, if we imagine again, Gab's dressed in the tablecloth, okay? Dressed in the righteousness of God. Sometimes we think when we stumble and fall, we suddenly step out of his righteousness and we step into our old life. But that's not the way the Bible presents it. It says, when we believe in God, the old is gone and the new is here. We are found in him. And some of me, maybe you're thinking, surely that's hyper grace. No. Some of us need to break a mentality in our hearts and our minds where we feel so weighed down by the weight and pressure of the law that we don't rest in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The only grace that can empower us to live each day for him. And this is what it means to be justified by faith. And this is why Paul's getting so passionate. Because there's people around the church in Galatia that are saying, you need to be circumcised now. You've come to Jesus, but you need to do this in order to be saved. You can't eat this, you must eat that, and that's what you must do to be saved. And Paul is saying, no, that's not the gospel. That is not the good news. And I wanna help us understand some things from this picture a little bit more. 
And something I really want to hammer home today as we understand that Jesus is greater is firstly that Jesus is greater than the law. Jesus is greater than the law. Now let me qualify this. The law was good and proper, okay? Its purpose in the Old Testament was to define sin and outline holiness. God wanted a set-apart people for himself, but Jesus, even in Matthew, he says, I did not come to negate the law. I didn't come to throw it out. I came to fulfill it. Jesus was the only person that fulfilled the law and that he was the only person to ever keep the whole law, even in his heart, without sin. And the law is, is not a bad thing. But church, the law is not what saves us. The law is not what saves us. In fact, if we start at the rules, if we start by trying to live a religious life, then we have missed it. We have missed the whole message of Jesus. And I want us to understand the law in two parts today. So Jesus is greater than the law. Firstly, Jesus is greater than my sin. Jesus is greater than your sin. The law makes it so clear and evident that we miss the mark and that we fall short. And Jesus didn't come to get rid of it, as I've said. But actually, he builds upon what the law says. He said, it's not just don't commit the act of murder. He says, don't even get angry in your heart at a brother. Don't let that anger have a foothold. It's not just don't commit adultery. It's don't look lustfully at another. Wow. Jesus sets the bar high. But the truth is, Jesus is greater than our sin. He comes along and he says, okay, the, the bar was here and, I, and I've said it here, but I want you to understand that in me you are free. In me you have power. I've not only stripped your sin away, but even in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, you have power every day to say no to sin. To say, no, 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 my Savior died for this. My Savior died that I might be free from this. He doesn't do it so that you have a boring life. He's not trying to box you in. Jesus is greater than your sin. Jesus is more sweet and wonderful. Being in his presence, knowing him, following his ways and his word is greater than any of my sin. It's greater than any pursuit of any ungodly relationship. It's greater than any pursuit of anything of the world where I'm trying to drown my sorrows. Jesus is greater than any addiction. That is the truth of the gospel. And we can live in that reality. But it starts by saying, Jesus, you are, you are greater. I need this. Even if you know nothing of this grace, and you think, okay, I'm hearing this. And um, maybe this God business is real. And you're hearing this, but, but what you're, you think I'm saying is that you need to get your life in order first. That is not what I'm saying. Because of what Jesus has done, you can approach the throne of grace. You can approach God with confidence. Why? Because he's not going to meet you with anger. 
He's going to meet you with embrace. He's going to meet you with love because all of the wrath was already poured out on Jesus. If you know nothing of this Savior, if this is the first time you're hearing about Jesus, you can come to him. You don't have to go home and try and get some things in order first. You can come to Jesus because Jesus is greater than your sin. He's not going to be shocked. If you feel like you're too far off, if you feel like, no, 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 maybe what you're talking about, even what Gabs was in, I, I was in deeper than what he was wearing. No, 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 you don't know, Luke, you don't know. Listen, Jesus isn't going to be shocked. When he died on the cross, all of your sins were already in the future anyway. And yet he still went to the cross. He still bled and he died that we might have life. Jesus is greater than our sin. Secondly, what I want us to understand is that Jesus is greater than my good works. Jesus is greater than your good works. Again, I'm not saying your good works are bad. But if you think your goodness is contributing to your salvation and your rightness with God, you are being your own savior. You are trusting in yourself. And the truth that we must understand is that we will never be good enough in ourselves. I do not earn my way to God. I don't serve my way to God. I don't give enough money to charity and then I'm right with God. That's not how it works. I don't work hard to be made right with him. And there's two ways and two avenues that this can lead us down. And I want us to, to be honest with ourselves in this moment. Firstly, it can cause us, if we live by good works, if we live trying to attain to salvation by good works, firstly, it can lead to a religious spirit. It can lead to a pride in our hearts. And what happens here, you will be gripped by pride if you live in this place. This will cause you to fake it. You'll pretend to be squeaky clean on the outside, but really your heart is full, full of sin and full of darkness. Because you're trying, you haven't met the grace of God. Or maybe you've met it and you've, you've forgotten. And so that causes you to be harsh to others. That causes you to pour shame upon others. That causes you to have a judgmental spirit. Why? Because you haven't received the grace of God for yourself. The grace is there. Let it meet you. Don't let pride dominate your heart. Don't let yourself think that you can make your way to heaven. None of us will be good enough. Listen, if that's how you want to set out shop, you go ahead. But I know I'm not going to make it based on my good works. I need to stand covered by my Savior. I'm going to have nothing of worth to show him when I get there apart from the decision I made to follow his son and trust in his son. By the grace of God, go I. And the second avenue we can begin to walk down if we trust in our good works for salvation, trust in good works for our justification is woefulness or pity. We're not assured of God's love for us. We're not assured that Jesus paid it all, but we have in our minds 
that I've still got some left to pay. So we're always gripped by fear and a, and a feeling of unworthiness. And we come to God and we feel unworthy. You, you, all you're doing is thinking about what I've done this week and where I've fallen, where I've slipped down, and it stops us from worshiping God. Jesus didn't die, just die that you might be set free from sin, but that you might be set free from shame. That you don't have to carry that. For those in Christ, there is no condemnation. Come to him, even when you fall, because he is greater than your sin, what do you do when you stumble and fall? You run right back to him. Why? Because it was never my good works that got me to him in the first place. It was his grace and his goodness. As Paul writes in verse 21, if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Wow, powerful words. And you will be bound by the weight of the law. And that is not yours to carry. Christ came that you might be free. Free to sin, no. But free to choose him, to choose good, to choose life that the Holy Spirit would reside in you and empower you each and every day. If this Jesus is real and true, or you've met Jesus and you know this to be real and true, then you literally owe him everything. You owe him far more than just a morally decent life. He deserves to be the center of your life. He deserves to, for you to say, Jesus, you are greater than all of these things. All of these things that I might hold close and near and dear. Jesus, I lay them down because I know there is life to be found in you. I know there is a void in my heart that I've been running around trying to fill and it can only be found in you, Jesus. We see that that's Paul's only response. This is why he writes, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, the life he lives on earth, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's like one of my favorite twists in all of scripture in Romans 12. Paul writes for 12 chapters about the incredible grace of God. And then he says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. And what does that mean? It's to say my life is not my own. God, I belong to you. And, and let me tell you, you will not regret that decision. I made that decision when I was 16 years of age. I said, I've heard about this God. I keep hearing about this Jesus. And I've got one foot in and one foot out. But if the creator of this universe is really real, and he really has a plan, and he really has a purpose for my life, and if he really gave himself for me, then there's only one thing that I can do. I can't be half in and I can't be half out. I'd rather run after the world with everything I am or run after Jesus. And that's the decision that we're faced with. Do we say, actually, no, I wanna to continue to walk in this. I wanna to continue to walk in the darkness. I wanna turn my back on God because I don't wanna make that decision to embrace you fully? Or do we say, you know what, I, this resonates because I need this. My sin is too great. 
I can't bear this on my own. I'm never going to make it by my own good works. Jesus, you are greater and I need you. Stop looking to false saviors. If you build your life on your career, your spouse, your money, your morality, they will fail you. They will fail you. They will fall down and they will punish you. They in themselves are not necessarily bad things, but if they are the center of your orbit and your whole life revolves around them, then they will fail you, church. To experience the God that is greater than your works and greater than your sin, you've got to say, Jesus, I'm yours. To say, Jesus, you're greater than everything I have and everything that I am. Can I invite the band to come up as I close this evening? This is what Paul is saying in this passage in, in such a beautiful way, but in such a challenging way. And hopefully we've understood some of that tonight, that this is good news. That there is life to be found in him. My family has experienced this in an incredible way. And I shared it a couple of weeks ago of how God has totally redeemed and restored my family has pulled us from the miry clay and set our feet upon a solid rock. And it, is, it has changed my life. It is why I live to tell others about Him. It's why I live for those that are running for Him to help remind them that they don't have to be bound by their sin, that there is power in His name, that He is greater, that they don't have to be bound or feel like they're weighed down by good works, but come back to where it first began. To say, Jesus, I need you. I so felt for some of us in the room today that we are being weighed down because of a religious spirit. Feeling like we have to earn God's approval. Feeling like if we serve more, maybe, maybe God will change this or maybe God will love me more. But God couldn't love you more than he already does right now. And we're going to have an opportunity to respond today and, and declare that Jesus is greater. That's all we're going to do. But I want to invite us today to not be afraid, to not be distracted by those around us, but to make a decision. Because one day we will stand before God alone. And he will say, what have you done with your life? What have you done with my son? And I wouldn't want to have missed out on life in him right now in this moment and life forevermore because I felt pressure from a friend or from a family member. But this is between you and God. Let me invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads as I pray for us today. I wonder if there is there's a, a number here that this is the first time maybe that you're hearing about this incredible Savior, this incredible Redeemer, this Jesus that is greater than your sin and your shame and your sorrow. And you say, I, I, need, I need to be made right with God 
And today you want to take a step of faith to say, I, I put my trust in this Jesus. I want to make a decision for my life to be found in His. I wonder if with every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand high to heaven in this place. Thank you. Thank you. If there is anyone else, don't miss your moment. You say, Jesus, I, I want to follow you. Fantastic. Thank you. You may put your hands down. The second response that I want to encourage us to make today is for those of us that are followers of Jesus and, and maybe we feel and we've got caught in a trap and a lie that our sin is greater than our Savior. He, he, he's, this sin is too much. This addiction is too much. And I can't step out of it. I'm believing that there's going to be freedom that is brought today. But it takes a step, a response of faith to say, God, I trust you in this. And for some of us, I believe today that there's going to be a weight that is lifted from your shoulders that you feel around good works and around service. These things are not bad in themselves, but they are not the saving grace of Jesus. And today, some of us need to respond and come back to him again and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I need your love to fill my heart again. And if that is you, in a moment's time, we're going to sing. And I want to encourage you, as the band begin to lead us, just to make your way forward. And there's going to be people here that will pray with you. But I want you to make this a decision of faith to say, Lord, I'm responding to you. And this is my declaration, declaration that, Jesus, you are greater. Can I invite us to stand to our feet? I'm going to pray for us. The band are going to lead us. And if any of that applies to you, I've needed to say, Jesus, you are greater than my sin. Jesus, you are greater than my good works. Then I'm going to invite you forward. But allow me to pray. Jesus, we thank you for this incredible truth that we are reminded of. That truly, Jesus, you are greater than our sin. Jesus, you are greater than our shame. Lord, that you laid your life down that we might have life in its fullness right in this moment, but life forevermore. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and move in this place? Would you come and bring liberty in Jesus' name? Would you come and lift heavy burdens? Father, I pray that there might be a courageous faith that begins to erupt in this room as people say, I need to get back to him again. I need to get back to my first love again because I've been caught in this mindset. I, like the Galatians, have fell into some false thinking. I've fallen into some half-truth and I pray where that's the case, Lord, may your truth sit heavily on their minds. Lord, may it come and bring life again. May it bring light to every dark place. We pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.